0: Welcome to Rice is Rice, a podcast about the British East Asian experience, where we talk about all things Asian and not. I'm Akina. I'm Jem.
1: I'm Connor. I'm Alex Mechanical Peters, and I heard that you guys, particularly the Filipinos, you guys were into dancing, particularly choreo.
0: I know that from like all of the talent shows and like you know variety shows that I w- watched growing up. Yeah. So like we have these really ridiculous three four hour variety shows where like so people asap? sing <laughs> dance they do comedy they play games and like the dancing is always how it's would you describe
2: it yeah i think it's it's that's the, like a new gen asian stereotype like okay. it used to be like oh you're asian you know martial arts i bet kids asian kids now in school are like oh you're asian Shh, dance for me do I'm you
0: really that? think it's gone that oh, far yeah, when Kids yeah, yeah, are yeah, saying for sure, it?
1: For
2: sure. That's interesting, I mean, uh, well, I wouldn't know, but what I will say is I've always
1: found, particularly with the Filipino community, so I went to a Catholic school and at Same. the time you went to Catholic school, yeah. so the <laughs> Filipinos at that time in the 80s would have been likely to have been in Catholic schools. And yeah. one thing I would say is the Filipinos often aligned themselves with the black culture so yeah. they were often yeah. I would say I the that. first group to get themselves kind of into the music into hip-hop mm-hmm. into Basically. hip-hop yeah. just the whole and, and and I even remember they had the whole triad fashion which was the black trousers with the red star and they did the roll-ups just like yeah, caribbeans yeah. did mm. but caribbeans did the
2: jeans they did the trousers I think oh. <laughs> a lot of people like a lot of comedians just say like the filipinos are the black people of the east really I've, all, but I've they're heard also Mexicans the latinos of the, of the east. east as well yeah. Yeah. right yeah so I think they're just yeah Hawaii latino because well, because
0: i mean the philippines has so many roots to like spanish they both got colonized like we we kind of relate in that yeah. way there's yeah. Gomez's and de
2: la and both both sides of the yeah, world true that true mm-hmm. that Today we're having rice served with identity, roots, and belonging in Britain. After, um, so today we have a person that I've known for a long time, probably since two thousand and six. I'm inclined to say. I would say, but well, whenever you start your classes, that's when <laughs> I you. Twelve
1: years. <laughs> yeah. So a long time. So yeah. I've known
0: for
2: twelve years. Um, it's Alex, also known as Mechanical. What's happening? It's good
1: to be here.
0: (laughs) Where did that name come from, Mechanical?
1: Mechanical was um, the first first battle, our first proper UK battle in 2005. And I I just wanted the name because at the time I had a local reputation because I used to teach a lot of people and stuff. And I just thought it would be cool to make up a name. So I had two names. I had mechanical mechan- mechanical X. I can't even say it. And oh, mechanical. And the reason why I picked the, those two was mechanic was because I was what, I was reading a magazine that talked about different dancers, and one of them it had an uh, article about Poppin' taco, who's my hero in dance mm-hmm. in a magazine. And, huh? in a magazine? It, yeah, and it's a hip-hop magazine. They were oh, going through the OGs. Okay, I thought it was like a, like a like a Vogue was up there. No, no, no. It was no, no, like, it was like uh, Vibe, Vibe magazine. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And so they were going through OGs and they had Poppin' And I said he was known for his machine-like movement and I was really into the stop and start movement. Yeah. So I took that mechanic bit and then cool because people kind of say that I'm always laid back. I'm quite chilled in my nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mechanic, cool. And I put it out there. People were like, keep that name. And then I battled with it, 2005, and it just went from there. Oh, I
3: like mm. it. Yeah. I thought that was your real... Surname. <laughs> when Connor <laughs> said, like, have a look at his Instagram so you know who who's coming on today. I was like, cool. And I was like, well, that's a very cool surname. surname. Like, <laughs> I've never really? seen Yeah, I thought that. And that's why when Connor was like, you know, it's, m- it's not muck like M C is me- like mech like M E C H. I was like, Cool, okay, cool. <laughs> so okay, you were yeah. gonna spell it, it like M C yeah, yeah. That's why uh, I couldn't uh, find uh, him at first. I was like, huh?
1: Like Scottish, like Scottish yeah, or Irish. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So there you go. That's the, that's the knowledge
0: <laughs> right there. Yeah. Okay, so what kind of what are you all about?
1: Oh man, that's a that's, <laughs> that's a hard a loaded, question. Yeah. we'll start
0: with the big questions and we'll get. Yeah, there. sure no problem.
1: <laughs> well, I've actually so before I got into dancing, I was actually working with young people. I was working with young people since 1997. Actually, it started off just down the road from here, Latimer Road. So you see where the Grenfell yeah, Tower yeah. was? There's a, there's a um, yeah. there was a leisure centre. I don't. I think it's still there, Kensington Sports Centre. I did some work experience there have not been from East London, but I was put there, yeah, and that really built up my kind of relationship with working with young people. I really enjoyed
2: it, so started pursuing that. What was about like did you like affecting them, or did you think like you had like something to offer or did you do you know what
1: i always since I was a kid, I always felt like um I always felt like I was going to do something that was going to impact people. I always like the idea of giving back to people yeah. and being part of a process, and so when i took that work experience very reluctantly because actually i was studying travel at the time Mm. um yeah i was studying travel for for two years four years in fact and um so i reluctantly took this but then i just found when i did it 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 was happened to be half time in west london half half term sorry in kensington at the time yeah so the kids were off and i was part of the work the work experience and i really enjoyed it i just enjoyed connecting with the kids i enjoyed just seeing, I don't know, just being part of whatever the fun they yeah. were having. Yeah. How How
3: old were you then? Right, yeah. 1980, yeah.
1: 1997, so I was 18. Mm-hmm. 18. Okay. Yeah. And then that just went from there. Now, the dancing side of things, I saw the movie Breakdancing since so I was a kid. Always wanted to do it. <laughs> but, but Shout out to Shabba. Yeah, to Shabba Doo, Boogaloo <laughs> Sh- Shrimp, Pete, Taco, all of them guys. But the thing is, at the time, especially in the 80s, I grew up in a very white working class area. Mm. Boys just didn't yeah. dance. Mm-hmm. If you could dance, you were cool, but you, just, you didn't take classes because the only classes available were ballet classes. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of accepted that it was just something I was going to watch and enjoy on TV, watching on Top of the Pops.
2: Before there was a YouTube where people could like look online now and teach
1: themselves. You did, yeah. To be honest with you, your fix of seeing people dance was once a week. Top of the Pops used to come on every Thursday. When I I was kind of like 8, 9, 10, 11, Top of the Pops came on every Thursday at 7 o'clock on BBC One. You had the network chart show on ITV at midday. And then, um, and those were your only two real fixes of music videos yeah. or any kind of performance for the whole week.
2: And they were backup Gosh. dancers. You were ca- you instead of watching the actual performer, were you just watching the backup dancers seeing what they were doing?
1: Not really. You you, you watch the artists, but the artists would dance. Oh, is it? Oh, so, oh so, yeah. So, so, That's back in you, the day. When- you didn't really have backup dancers in that way back then, like unless it was a music video and so like for example you think okay we think like madonna vogue she does the she does the routines with them michael jackson did the routines with the dancers so you didn't really have that knowledge to what to think watch the backup dancers because the artist was always made to be the star it's only when we get into dancing you realize that these backup dancers were legends in their own right bigger than the star in their own fields you know so yeah
0: they're just like these amazingly talented people that you don't necessarily focus on when you watch these performances. That's right. So I find it so fascinating. So with you, how did you get into to the, the whole dance, dance world?
1: So yeah, so um, again, so I accepted that I was never going to learn it but what happened was the song came out in about 1996 one DMC made a kind of a comeback. They did a remix of their old song. It's like that featuring uh, oh. remix with J- Jason Evans. Is like that. Yeah, yeah. and the video featured a whole bag of dancers, and it sparked this whole interest where everyone was like, "Oh, breakdance! Remember this?" <laughs> and I remember thinking, "Hmm, maybe I should find a class." So I was in college. I was at Barking College at the time, and I was talking to one girl, and she said, "Do you know what? Check out Pineapple Studios. Where is that?" I don't know. Oh, so it? we went and checked oh. it. We went and checked it out. Went along there. Found that there was a class. Took the class. It was breaking. Uh-huh. B boying mm. was what I started off because that was the only thing available. Uh, yeah. I, can't, I, I can't imagine <laughs>
2: seeing you trying to do.
1: Oh uh, my mate! It was it was hard because the thing is I'm tall, but yeah. the other thing is as well as I get dizzy. So I think when <laughs> the, oh, when it? they were teaching me the backspin, and I had to sit <laughs> out for forty minutes. I was you were like, like doing
2: top <laughs> rock like I can do this, and as soon as they went on the floor. You're gone, out <laughs> to the north. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: I was say to though, the nose. Um, I think it's pretty inspiring because you started then when you were older, right? So yes. how old were you? So 18? Well,
1: I was 20 when yeah. I started oh. dancing. Oh, really? Yeah. That yeah.
3: gives me hope, yeah. guys! Yeah. Oh. I can learn to dance now!
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is this whole thing of dancing when you're young is kind of a more... Well, for ballet, that's always been the case. But for street dance, that never was the case. Mm. It was normal for people at the age of 20 to, to start, start dancing. Like a, yeah. Like yeah. A, Do
3: you think it, it naturally kind of came to you, though? Did you know how to like, move... Your yeah, body.
1: I had rhythm, didn't have confidence. Mm-hmm. I actually taught myself to do the backslide, the moonwalk, when I was eight years old. And, and the story, the story <laughs> was this. There was a guy called Daniel Fitter, um, who he's one year older than me now, so he'll be 42. And um, I remember he was in youth club and um, he must have come up to me and goes, Alex, he doesn't even remember this story. Mm. But he goes to me, Alex, look at this. And he just done this little moonwalk in youth <laughs> club. And I remember looking, thinking, hang on, you're a white kid. <laughs> <laughs> and you can do that and i was like i was jealous so i, mean, like, I went home and in my mom's cabinet let's like, shed a little a thin mirror i worked it out for weeks what did he do what did he do mm. and that became from the age of eight that became my thing i was learning in school for is to do that you know i so, love that it was the so sense of yeah.
0: competition that yeah. like made you want to. It was, that, yeah. was
2: the, that was the first anti-gentrification movement from you it was like i'm not gonna let this white kid <laughs> take my culture. Okay. I ain't got to learn how to do black life better than him. But well, you know what it was? I mean,
1: back then, I, it's weird because I, as I've learned, as I've done my research, as I've gone older, the whole crossover of white and black, there was a wave of that in the 70s through mm-hmm. reggae. But by the time I grew up, and that was particularly in the 80s. Um, Segregated again, do you think? Well, I my, my experience from where I was, a very working class Cockney area. Was and it was quite racist. It was Where a strong was your racist area, entertain. custom right. house. So no one ever knows custom house. Yeah. I, say I, it? I know on the DLR, the DLR. It's, the DLR, it's right.
2: just before the Excel, isn't it? So it's, it's by the
1: oh, Excel. Yeah. It is Excel. Oh, so okay. Before XL was built, out. there was
2: life. I mean, only know that because of move it. Like, <laughs> like whenever <laughs> when we had to move it, you had to go a custom house. That's right. Yeah. So mm. that area. Oh wow.
1: And um, it was a it was quite a racist area. Mm. It Had an undertone of it. So you kind of I grew up kind of like I grew up in a Caribbean household. We've got like calypso music, soca music, mm. but that was I didn't talk about it outside the house. I didn't dare want my dad to play that out loud because you might hear someone go, hey, turn off that monkey music" or something mm. like that. Oh, shit. You know, yeah, it, was it was like proper... it was, And then so when I got into hip hop and R and B, that was a sense of my thing because at the time, like if you heard if you were playing rap music, a lot of the local whites would be like, "We listen to that stuff for Or that rah, rah, riggedy ra." They would say yeah. a comment like that. So I think um. Again, my experiences, black my black friends, we aligned ourselves with the Filipinos for that reason. We related to each other because yeah. they liked that music. Yeah. Whereas at the time, whites were doing something very different socially. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Eighties, it was like the time of, almost like the punk movement.
1: Eighties, beginning that was, that was beginning before, the beginning of the eighties. So the late seventies, early early eighties, that was.
0: Which is interesting because they kind of like were trying to do the same thing absolutely just trying to break out of norms and like what was expected of them yeah so whenever i i obviously that wasn't my time yeah um but when i hear things about it when i watch things about it it's super interesting to me how like everyone was just trying to do the same thing yeah they were just trying to like cope but in very different ways and how it was kind of pegged against each other well it's funny because
1: um so I, when I grew up, I remember seeing punk rockers, as you're saying, you see yeah. the odd guys with the yeah. Mohicans <laughs> and the tattoos and stuff. But as a kid, you're like, oh, OK. Yeah. But as I kind of looked into it, so there was a time in, in the late 70s when punk and and reggae were starting to merge. Mm-hmm. And that's when you were starting to get the likes of people like the police. Yeah. Police is a perfect like, mix of it's rock like and reggae.
2: Like scars, like kind of. Well, Scar
1: so Scar has its no Scar is, is old is school, oh, okay. but then you had the resurgence of it through Madness and through the specials. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Scar became before reggae. It was like it was Scar, then it oh, was Rocksteady, it? and then it was I reggae. Yeah, so reggae was like the grime of garage. Oh, okay. It was a dark version of what okay, Scar yeah, yeah. and Rocksteady were. Um, but yeah. So, but in, even before you had that kind of punk and reggae alignment, you had a lot of the mods. The mods were really they really loved the black music mm. in the seventies. And is that's how
2: against the against the system type stuff.
1: Yeah, well, it, I, I'm not even too sure what the narrative was, but they just loved that music. And then that's that the, the, what we know is the Nazis with the bomber jackets and the 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 the, the Doctor Martin boots mm. and stuff. That was actually the mods' fashion. But what it was is the the Nazis had to dress like them to get into the club so they can get to the black people. And oh. in the end, they oh. hijacked that yeah. fashion that's with dark. the bullhead and the skinhead <laughs> yeah.
2: thing. That was the mods' fashion. So skinheads were originally mods. No, the skinheads oh. want the skinheads. Oh, the out skinheads out took the mods like like clothing.
1: Like get up so wait, the way. Oh, okay, yeah. the racist got yeah, the Nazi guys. Yeah. They um they took that fashion only because they had to dress like them to try to get into the clubs to get to the black people. Oh shit, that's really yeah. And like, so like, they ended up hijacking that whole look. Yeah, you know what I mean. So no, I never knew that. Yeah, interesting fact. That?
2: That's that's really dark
0: and like yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: really um like. I've lost a word today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah It's not good. It's not nice. Yeah. It is not
1: good. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's good to know these things because then it begins to give you so even for yourself, like mm-hmm. as, you know, East Asian in Britain, when you start to hear all these different stories, it starts to give context to how we are today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Do you know absolutely. what I mean? Like so for example, if i if I say for example, Afro boots, I'm not particularly a fan of Afro Boots, but I love what it stands for. Mm-hmm. Um and it's good to recognise maybe like in the eighties, if you were African, you often was laughed at. Mm-hmm. Particularly, Caribbeans would laugh at Africans and say, you know, you're fresh off the boat, you know, you're you're bush, you're this, mm-hmm. you're you're primitive. Whereas now, that whole shift has happened now, and Af- African culture is probably the most prominent of the black cultures mm-hmm. now. You know, most kids growing up in in the city London will know African music more than they would know Carib- Caribbean music. Mm-hmm. So it's just really fascinating to check these different things, you know. Mm.
0: Yeah, I wonder why there was that kind of conflict within within like a group, like within the Black community. Why there? Why was there such a distinction between like Easy. African communities and Caribbean?
1: See, slavery is mm-hmm. the only is the one word. Is to because what it was is, in order to do what had to be done, you had to convince people that they were primitive, that they were backward, they were violent, they were all kinds of unintelligent then, yeah. yeah yeah, and so um, that was a propaganda thing and then obviously as a as a as a person who's been shifted through slavery over the 400 years this narrative is put in that you should be ashamed of where you come from mm-hmm. so when you're then colonised by Europeans you take on these these European narratives mm-hmm. that don't that you know far forward to now you're not being told that you're not articulated those words but what you've seen is through what you see on tv so what you see on tv is always this poor chaotic side of africa yeah so it's not it's going to be normal for everyone to take on this poor perception of something right Mm. if that's all you see yeah Mm. so yeah that's where that comes
0: because we have it in our own communities like asians hate on asians all the time right
2: yeah it's a very disjointed it's a very disjointed community like yeah um it's not even with it's even within separate ethnicities i guess so obviously like uh like Koreans and japanese uh, Koreans and Chinese people hate Japanese people That's and right. uh, Filipinos don't like Chinese people and um Japanese don't like But it, it runs- Koreans don't even like themselves <laughs> <It's> like north <laughs> south Korea, <laughs> it it runs Korea. deep
0: <laughs> it runs deep to where like uh, we don't actually even know why, why? we're hating why? each other anymore my co-worker well, my old co-worker she's Korean and she wore this um gray jumper to work mm. but inside out right um and my other coworker asked, why are you wearing it inside out? And she like secretly brings it up and it's because it said Japan inside and she didn't wow. want to be caught, be caught oh, wearing really? a jumper that said Japan wow. like she didn't Korean. like it. Wow. But it was a comfy jumper, so she so, wore like, it.
2: when there's Asian issues... Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, when Asian issues come up in the community, like I don't know, something happened on TV or whatever, you're not going to get the same amount of bandits together to like fight for it, like the black community, which is like... It's really sad because this this doesn't get anywhere because you're always going to have another Asian, you're going to have people saying this is not good. Then you can have another Asian being like, no, I think it's fine. But if you watch the black community, they like proper, like as soon as something happens, they like band together. And then like, no matter if you're like Jamaican or if you're Nigerian or whatever, you're still black, like into the media's Mm -hmm. eyes. Do you but. know what? That's really interesting
1: point, Connor? because you know what I would say? I mean, that's re- it's really interesting hearing that from you because one of the things that we still talk about within the black community is that there's still a lot of
2: n- not together Segreg- segregation. I mean, so mm-hmm.
1: it's interesting that your yeah. perception of that. Mm-hmm. Hey, it
2: is. Yeah. I'm not saying it's perfect because like nothing's yeah. perfect, but it's definitely much more than Asian. It's yeah. definitely stronger yeah. than okay. what we yeah. see in our own communities okay. yeah. where yeah. like
0: if something happens to a Filipino... The Chinese community won't stand up and say that's wrong to all Asians they're kind of like that's their problem
1: do you think it's because over the years like because I mean as like I've always had this inner dilemma and I say that even within black people sometimes it can be there's a risk between banding everyone together for the simple reason a black Congolese cannot relate to a black British born person yeah the only thing that we share in common is our skin color Mm -hmm. but what we also do have is probably what brings us together is two things the history, the traumatic history, mm-hmm. particularly if you've been an African that's been moved out to elsewhere in the world. But also, mm-hmm. I think unfortunately, I'll say it, unfortunately, when we travel around the world, we are probably the most looked-down-upon people. Mm-hmm. And I say that in the sense that it's not that people, everywhere you go, people will treat you badly, but unfortunately, there's an ingrained expect low expectation. Mm-hmm. So what I've found when I've traveled, and I've traveled a lot. People are pleasantly surprised when they hear that I'm articulate. Mm. You're pleasantly mm. surprised oh, yeah. when yeah. I'm, whereas you When you're they hear the accent, right? But yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, yeah, pleasantly yeah. surprised if you heard an English person with the same uh, yeah. Like yeah. level of. So it's almost like yeah, your expectations, expectations, expectations are lower right. for people of right. color. Right. Yeah, right. And so I think you know that's, and I think so in that sense that that kind of brings a uh, something together. I relate to someone I've
2: never met for that reason. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I think one of the things is um, I think this is cause when I went to the states and I was there for like a month or two. I think the reason why they're so banded together is a lot of the black kids that don't have a background because, they, you know, they were brought here, no papers, they were just brought here from Africa back in the 1700s and just dumped there and their family doesn't know where they're from. Sure. So all these kids in America, they just know that they are definitely black. They don't have a specific specific country they come from though like well there's a big divide nowadays. in america particularly yeah. more in america than it is here so mm-hmm. what i've learned i've got a lot of family there yeah. what i've learned is yes. like super segregated still right yeah so like
1: someone like popping pete for example i remember speaking to him and asking him, where's his family from and he didn't know as far as it went to it was america yeah it's, it's which so, so my head. yeah it's, it's
2: a weird, really weird concept right yeah so yeah. it's so mad where so then
1: what happens is the, Car- the caribbeans who have moved over there over the years through kind of like obviously they've traveling all that yeah they look down on those sorts of americans mm-hmm. and then those americans
2: then kind of don't like them and then obviously yeah. there's the african divide a lot of a lot yeah. of people from that like like we say Asians from asia and asians overseas asians like um east Australia, like australian asians asia, a- asian yeah. americans they're always a fight between them because obviously the Asians from asia they always look at us and like you're not really asian, you're, really no. you're no. somehow diluted yeah. you're, like, yeah. you're all bananas yeah. to us you know yeah. Yeah. like you, you to your friend could be the most Asian person ever but to someone from like mainland China I could be you could be like the most banana person you know like white on it do you not
1: find that's a problem I mean so for no, example of course. you guys if you were to go home like to your parents place mm-hmm do you where do you call home do you call britain home or do you call i home still home? Call, I philippines
0: call philippines, philippines home. home when we go when yeah. i mean i don't know about you but when i go visit philippines i say i'm going back home yeah, was so do I. I was born there but i moved when i was three and i've been here living here ever I since say, i
2: say going back i when i go to hong kong i say yeah i'm going, going back to back. hong kong i've never i, I, I lived kind of i used... do you feel it's home no i don't mm. either but it's just but my it's dad, going dad, back yeah to my something. dad was born here mm. too but I don't say, oh yeah, I'm going to Hong Kong to see family. It's like, no, I'm going back to Hong Kong to see my family. I'm like, but where am I going back to? I'm not from there. It's, yeah. just, mm-hmm. it's just like a, I don't know, like if my ancestors, like pulling me, you know, back or something. Do you say the same? Do you yeah, say bad I want to I hear what you say, yeah. but I'll answer that question. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, my, my view in home is just Philippines, just more because for me, I describe home as being where my family is at. And here, like, I have my mom and dad and brother and sister. But in terms of the rest of my family, mm-hmm. it's in Philippines. And family for me is what, makes a home yeah um so i'm like philippines oh, is my home and i'm, I'm going back home
0: mm-hmm.
3: um but i would still, i I would consider this place as kind of my home but like home home is philippines i think that i'm actually a very almost equal mix between the british culture and the filipino culture so i can't completely like push england away as being not as a home it's it's yeah. still a home but it's not like my the home of my heart <laughs>
1: yeah. you mind me asking are you all the same age group yeah. A year younger, a year than younger us? But, okay, yeah. But okay. Cool. The reason care. why yeah, so the reason why I say because I feel like um of your age range, I think that that generation have started to work out Britishness easier. Mm-hmm. I think my generation we struggled because um we never quite felt comfortable calling ourselves British because the connotation Cause that was racism. You, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they made it very clear that yeah. you don't belong here. However, when I went home, I realized. See, I've just said that without thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when I went back to Grenada, yeah, um, where my mom's from, my dad's from Antigua. But when I went back to Grenada, I really felt, particularly on my first visit, or my first visit when I was old enough to take everything in, they kept saying "English boy, English boy," and yeah. it was a mentality of. I felt sometimes that the white English tourists were treated better, because because they think they've they have got money, money though. yeah, and whereas <laughs> for me it must be you must think I'm better than you because I live in somewhere that they perceive to be better. Yeah, Yeah, I I
3: think we get that with Philippines as well. I think like there is this expectation from even like my own family members back home is that because we live in, england that means we're better off and we earn a lot more money or like you know we have a better lifestyle and yes in some aspects we have a better lifestyle because here is a lot safer mm-hmm. and like a, a, just a better society basic, quali- mm. basics, yeah, basic yes. quality of life yeah. is a lot better here but there is a, a, an inclination that because we live here we're better off and we yeah. always like have really nice stuff which yeah. we don't yeah, yeah. Um, it's a very
2: interesting like i think most immigrant kids of immigrants or kids who aren't Known to be from that country, you know, from like outsiders, they always experience the in between countries type dilemma, you know. Yes. Like, am I home in Britain, the country I was raised and born and I'm culturally from? Yeah. But kids always point, the first thing people always see in you is you're not white. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. or do I call my motherland home where people from there always mention countlessly like, your language isn't as good, or yeah. you were born or from England, yeah. or you your family left. You know, yes. so you're always stuck in that weird. you stuck between. in that middle, right? and, yeah. and the thing is, it's where do you. So, like my
1: generation, we were big on American music, and the reason I believe for that was because that was another group of disjointed kids talking about inner city issues. So they sounded like us. Mm-hmm. So my generation of people were were big on your Jay Z's two pack mm-hmm. biggies, you know, your um your Rakim's. Mm-hmm. LL Cool J, whereas the younger generation, then that generation, when I say younger, they're probably from about the age of 30, just early 30s downwards, that's when Grime came along. Mm -hmm. And Grime was the first time, I would say, where they were unapologetically claiming two things, their Britishness and their, especially African. So some of the early MCs would say, I'm half Ghanaian, half British, and say it proudly. And so that sparked off a wave of music, which where the kids were kind of like, this is British music. This isn't an American mm. thing. And also I think you would start to hear that generation of kids in the black community starting to more and more feel comfortable about the idea of saying, I am British.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: Whereas my generation, we struggled with saying British.
3: Because there wasn't any representation. There wasn't yeah. any
1: representation. That's the, that yeah. the same
2: with us though, growing up. like There was no East Asian representation in british culture yeah. that's why that's why I, seen... I got into hip-hop personally yeah because even though this is like a this... where was you at in reddin yeah yeah do you think it could have been as well to do with where you was at as well i think so because i grew up in a, like suburbia like there was a lot of brown kids like indian pakistani kids but there wasn't that many east asians yeah mm. so i would be listening to uh quest or wu-tang and like these black kids from you know um I was about to say Shaolin. No, Staten Island. <laughs> Could they say it or decide? time. Wu Tang. Yeah, yeah Wu Tang. <laughs> these black kids from Staten Island, these black kids from Queens, I relate way more to than this Chinese guy from China or right. um, or the people on TV. You know, That's right. because they're talking about how you know the population treats them yeah. in their public eye, or yeah. they're talking about not feeling you know that they belong here, or belong there. So I had an identity crisis. That's, mm, and that's also, really interesting, though. I grew up around mostly black people because obviously dance is like dominated. It's a black culture, right. so a lot of black people do it. That's and right. my dad yeah. is a black barber. yes. Mm-hmm. So going to the shop, you yeah. know, he sees all of that culture.
1: Yeah. But that's really interesting because the thing is, I mean, Chinese dishes, I mean, obviously I know you're from Hong Kong. And again, I want to ask you a couple of questions about it actually. But um, the Chinese Dishes had kind of somehow got itself ingrained into British culture. It was particularly in the eighties. I remember it being a Friday night thing that a lot of my white friends would do and go and have a Chinese. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting that you talk about that, even though the food has almost seeped its way into British modern day culture, Mm. that you still felt you had those issues. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: that food isn't even like. No one will so save authentic. Chinese. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 whitewashed Chinese food, you yeah, know. Right. As most immigrant foods have to get whitewashed because people aren't going to buy it otherwise you know. They have to um, work to the palate of the customer. That's right, you know. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. That's why I always punched to America because they had Asian stuff representation, and YouTube was just starting that day, so a mm. lot of U- early YouTubers were Asian. So that's what I watched more instead of TV because I could see myself, you know. Interesting. Yeah, and I could like kind of um articulate what was going through my mind yeah yeah i wasn't i didn't feel alone in that so then like yeah. growing up in the black culture i mean did how did you find that did you feel
1: comfortable being involved in dance because obviously when i met connor yeah. and your sister you're both heavily ingrained in it so i mean yeah. did
2: you feel comfortable with that i've always been comfortable in it just because i've been going to my dad's shop since i was like since day. so oh, okay you know i've always been around the language, the cultures, the, the slang and everything. Slang and all of that stuff. But I never really found anything weird about it because I think because we we're kids, so no one would say anything problematic around kids, you know? Yeah. But I think growing older, I would hear people say um, like random stereotypical comments and I would just be like, I would sigh a bit because I was so ingrained in the dance community and I always, like, at school, I always like. Um, Did you
0: see it as your own community? Yeah,
2: for sure. I've always I've like, always, always said this. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've, I've always said this. Um, I w- when I go into like a room, if there's some black kids there, I'd probably just stand with them and You're talk to You warm to, to them. them first of all. Just like my dad. Like in the school playground, when he picked up me and Jerry from primary school, he would stand with all the Caribbean mums and chat shit. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah, interesting.
1: So what would what yeah. would you say your I mean I'll think funny yeah. said to everyone, what would you say your relationship with English kids, white kids, like what would you
2: say your experiences and your
0: relationship? I think with? Um,
2: brainwashed for me.
0: Brainwashed? brainwashed? What do you mean? Like,
2: I would let them get away with so much shit, being oh. like, Oh yeah, yeah, ha yeah, you yeah, yeah. so right. Look back at it, I'm like, man, this bitch was racist. Okay. He was yeah. so racist. Right. Like yeah. you know, accents, uh dog jokes uh master like all this stuff that was mm-hmm. not okay i was just like going along with because i was like you yeah, didn't know better yeah i was just like this is this is all i knew you know mm. this was Crazy. like i thought this was like normal or yeah. the normalization of racism against East agents is also a problematic thing you know mm. it's mm. all microaggressions so no one really see it as that bad yeah you know we we never really had a traumatic experience to properly ingrain justify your 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 aggressive response
1: yeah, make, for example yeah yeah so but when
0: it builds up like it it becomes it almost is way more malicious than that it seeps in and then you start to believe these things because i have the same experiences where i don't realize that i went through a racist encounter until years after yeah wow. now that i'm in my 20s i'm looking back into my childhood and being like mm. that conversation probably wasn't mm. right. Do
2: you find it sad when people of colour are racist to other
0: One people another. of colour? Yeah,
1: yeah do I you, mean, it is, but I but do you know, I don't find it, I understand it because oh, you yeah? see, for mm-hmm. example, like growing up as a Caribbean and I was guilty of this growing up. You heard, a, you had an African friend with a certain name. You were like, what's your name? Or You put, put clicks mm. into it. And so the thing, well, we, well I didn't even know about the clicks; I was I too was young not. for the click oh, stuff. Yeah, that but, happened um, to my friends. <laughs> and but what I'm saying is, and a lot of African kids of my age had to have English names just for yeah. school. Yes, yeah, 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 my yeah. best friends did, yeah. Right, you know, and so I've understood that this kind of, yes, it comes, even within your own community, you have this. And then also on top of that, there's a lot of colonial influence Mm -hmm. that means that you take on these value bases that actually you wouldn't have otherwise had so for example the lighter tone you talked Mm -hmm. about that it means more beauty but where does that really come from because at some point
2: that wasn't an issue colonial propaganda for sure have you never heard the phrase of like decolonize your brain decolonize your brain yeah that's like a new phrase from the last few years it's basically just to be like don't think like of all these past colonial stereotypes like yeah like reverse a mindset yeah like like um like afro hair is beautiful yeah. like dark skin is like amazing you know mm. like all these type of things because yeah. like, like the whole thing about afro being like you have to some places like you have to have straight hair that's yeah. that's colonial propaganda Absolutely. for sure mm. yeah. I remember when I was so when I was, was studying travel we had to go to st-
1: Stansford airport for like a a, a tour a back behind Ugh. the scenes tour it was nice. quite it was interesting oh, really? but it was on the on the because uh, we went onto the actual runway they drove you around everything oh, well, that's cool. but um in the last half of the chat we had to go in and talk about if you wanted to be an air steward or s- air stewardess and they were talking about mm. what was appropriate haircut mm-hmm. now they said that this was not appropriate and i remember i questioned the lady and said well that doesn't Why? make sense because at the time you had for boys you also had the skin fade for white boys but like i think it was more of a step cut yeah, yeah. this was 1996. step cuts are ugly but i said <laughs> but hang on a minute i said so that's okay but i said what i've got is too short how does that work out mm. and she was she just wasn't ready to and obviously i was only 16 so i didn't have the the the, the, the brain the that's, a pretty, that's a
2: pretty woke 16 year old at 16 i would just be like okay. yeah i yeah. think
0: when i was younger yeah. i was just ready to accept everything yeah. to the point where i mean i am doing that now i'm trying to decolonize my brain in that like i'm trying to relearn or unlearn things because yeah. definitely when i was younger I have this vivid, vivid memory of when I was probably like year seven. Yeah. And we were in our dance class, so the mirror in front of us. Um, And it was just, I'm like you and and Connor, I grew up in a very white environment. And I just saw this row of white girls and then me, the only brown girl. And I remember thinking, I wish I was white. Yeah. I wish I was the same. That's crazy. um, Because I just, I felt
3: so... I felt like a smudge yeah, in like yeah. that row. Really? Yeah, that's yeah. So I nice. never Crazy. felt like that when I was around white. I never wish I was them. The only times I wish I was them was if I had an argument with my family, mm. I'd be like, "Oh, I wish I was white and I wouldn't have these same problems." But I never <laughs> once like, <laughs> oh, really like never re- re- yeah. Worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never like I never really viewed myself as like I don't like, like the it. fact that that's i was so weird. But I had so much guilt.
0: I had so much guilt that I was thinking like that. That I never vocalized it or never admitted it in my own head yeah. Yeah. until until i was older racism. yeah i would just secretly use papaya soap like whitening yeah, soap yeah. um but not tell anyone because yeah. i didn't want to admit that i wanted yeah. to be white
1: but of course but then the thing is i mean understandable because you know, we look, it back, we look at it now and say, oh, that's disgusting. How could he think like that? But the reality is, if you didn't have any reference point and often positive. So, for example, mm-hmm. my parents were quite strict to me in the way that Caribbeans, especially of that generation were. But I used to think, but hang on, why is it that I have to come in early and my white friends are still playing outside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, yeah. if someone didn't, yeah. and I'm a bit of a thinker. So mm. as a kid, what I needed was an adult to sit down and ex- intellectualize, like, yeah. yeah and my parents do not sit that's down to explain.
2: They will tell you no, and if you say anything, they don't have the time. For that. <laughs> but
1: this is, the thing is, so this is, and this is where I guess there's the cultural disconnect because I think what you also find is even though your parents had this sense of nope, you know, don't even look at me, boom. Yeah. But at the same time, when what I realized growing up is they lived a very apolitic life. So mm. what I mean by that is they were too big. They were too busy having to busy trying to toe the line at work, so they mm. didn't say things to be to, to get out of line mm-hmm. because they knew back then speaking out meant that you can lose your job prospects, mm-hmm. you'd be mm-hmm. isolated. Yeah. So at home they were like no no tolerate, tolerating nothing, but actually in the workplace they were the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the generation now of young people that are coming up and are just being unapologetic. So mm-hmm. if you look at Dave on Brits Award, yeah. oh yeah, that that was that you couldn't yeah. do that in the Brits no, five no, years no, no, ago. No, no. That you know was I mean? that was strong. That was, yeah. He was just straight out called out right. everyone, yeah. right? <laughs> Pictures as well, right? <laughs> at the piano, right? And the thing is, like, now you couldn't have, you know, say five, ten years ago, you would have been worried that the record label would drop you, everyone
2: would isolate, but mm. it's not like that anymore. Mm. So I think the internet helps because there's the, you know, self-labeled stuff, you can just put stuff on SoundCloud or whatever, and it will be. Storms is all completely independent, and he's yeah. what he talks about so much yeah he literally says fuck boris and all of this yes. oh speaking of let's talk about black boris and how oh. that come about <laughs> <laughs> let's do a let's do a sharp laugh into that okay you explain when it started
1: I and explain stuff and yeah
3: do you yeah. know yeah. anything about no i don't know okay. right. so black yes.
1: boris basically was started off because boris johnson used to be the mayor of london yeah uh-huh. and so mayor of london meaning that he was the head of tfl and i'm known for like just going around i know the transport network you mm. know so people often if they're lost in london they were like okay ask alex So as a joke, I kind of coined the name Black Boris. I'm the black version of the... (laughs) But what that happened... So what happened with this Black Boris character is one day, like this train station nearby the Excel, Prince Regent. Yeah, I remember. Annoying. It's like like a station that's kind of... What happens is the train kind of... is not ground level. It's kind of halfway up. But in order to get up to it, you have to then go up these long steps that go over it come around and then come back down. Mm -hmm. So Uh it's always, especially in the summertime, it's an ordeal. So I must have done a Facebook live or Facebook video.
2: Way back in the day, it Before might be Facebook but it yeah, wasn't alive. live no it wasn't so. live yeah,
1: I didn't do lives on Facebook Um, so I did a video and I just basically walked people through it and I was cussing and ranting yeah. <laughs> and the response that day I remember my, my phone people were like oh my god Alex I'm dead you've killed me <laughs> so then I started to keep that up like when I was on say the Virgin Trains and when you book which oh, this gets in my nose you book a window seat and you've got the gap between the windows, so mm. you're just sitting by a wall. So uh-huh. you've got to sit yeah. on the train for four hours mm. with this wall next <laughs> yeah. to you. So I should just do videos cussing at the, the, the transport system, and it got popular. <laughs>
0: Did People it? People loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good idea, actually. Because
2: yeah. like, it back. Transport is, you is just. You should bring it back because he's a PM now, so you could do like wider subjects. Do you know, know what <laughs> <like, laughs> like,
1: Everyone's asking me, and I haven't,
2: I haven't dropped
1: it. I'm just kind of deciding how. I want to bring it back again. Mm. I have like a proper
2: which direction. You're go. Maybe, maybe that would be mm. that'll be something. But the thing is, I
1: have to tap into. You know what? It's weird. The weirdest thing is, I have to tap into a negative part of me to to do that. Yeah, because mm. it's something. Yeah. It, yeah, And I'm going. Yeah. And i have been going through a massive transition personally in my life now, where I don't feel I can do that while I'm going through my transition. Yeah. I think so. It's a it's a weird one. It's funny because when I cuss, mm. out, people enjoy it, but <laughs> it's a negative space. <laughs> 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 you know, people like hearing someone moan, don't they? You know. What I mean? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, we love like people complaining. Yeah, I
1: do love watching people complain Anyways, I mean, do you know what? It's people relate to it's it's things that people relate to, and I think that's why it worked. And it's a very London thing to yeah, moan at transport. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, to the point that I used to get people like toot me down the street, dude, black boy someone not even call me by. Wow, yeah, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. really? Yeah. crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I I would like to use it at some point. I've definitely haven't. I just haven't decided when, how that would look like for the yeah, time yeah. being. So yeah. Have to see. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's funny. I'm glad we took a detour. Yeah, through that. <laughs> I the had no Black idea. Yeah. But back back on track, we kind of we went around a lot of different yeah. subjects. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But like to bring it back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still work with a lot of youth groups now or have you kind of left that?
1: So, okay. So yeah, when I when I really got into it, I was working um, as a learning mentor. I was actually the first wave of learning mentors that happened in the late 90s, very late 90s. And I was doing that for eight and a half years in two inner city schools. I then, when I quit that, I left the education system. I was also a youth worker for five and a half years in two challenging areas of East London. Mm -hmm. I then went into lots of secondary schools up and down the country so I've done mm, loads of different yeah. types of secondaries primary well, what schools what
2: would you what would you do in secondary schools
1: uh what when, when I was doing a the touring they were mainly dance workshops oh okay oh, so okay. when I, the mentoring work was just more about working with kids who they always say the the, 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 the top kids get attention the naughty kids get attention but the kids in the middle get nothing which is mm, true yeah of, of course. course so mentoring was set up
2: to work with those kids who can the middle slip off. yeah that could slip off mm. if we don't rein in them so that but was that how was the was it compulsory cuz i remember growing up Dance was not a popular thing. Like, no. it was usually like effeminate, you know, and mm-hmm. people would be like, Oh, you dance? Like, well, in my school, it I changed the culture of that, but
1: there was a couple of, I had a bit of help. The school was quite a, it's funny, when that's in the 80s, that school was a racist no go school. Okay. But by the time I started working there, that school was actually a very culturally mixed school. So that's the first thing. Number two, I think the kids generally were just proud of me. It was kind of my past to really. Get good relationship with the kids. The kids love that yeah. I can dance. So what we used to do is at the end of every um, full every full term, the whole school one thousand two hundred kids would come together and they'd be just dance offs oh, organized wow. by the kids. There was no teachers needed to supervise it. Just so oh, was cool. done. So what we done is, um, and then I took kids to see the bounce when it was performing at the Roundhouse Theatre. I then when Breaking Convention started, we took the kids down every year. Oh wow! They met cool. the Electric Boogaloo's backstage. It just, just back in 2005 when 2004 oh, two, four. um then pop and pete spent two days at the school shabadoo oh, sugar yes. pop lollipop they jeffrey daniels all came down to visit the school kids Wow! so they so had cool. so much input that these the are big people <laughs> you know? yeah yeah, yeah I, I gather from your response <laughs> <Yeah>. to it <laughs> yeah i know pete yeah, yeah. yeah these are all like, legends in the game so the culture so the kids knew dance even if they didn't do it they knew it and mm. they understood it and they respected it and so like Sometimes we'd even have my my dance workshops outside in the playground, and the kids will feel no way to do it in front of others because it was just normal. Yeah. So yeah, I think that really helped, kind of at least at that time. It helped the perception of dance in the school. But I know when I went to another school in Essex, it was completely the opposite direction. So it depends what, where
0: you go. In what way do you mean?
1: Well, Essex was still a very, um, it was still a very white working class, mm-hmm. stroke middle class. Mm-hmm. So perceptions were still very behind mm. you tend to find areas where there's ethnic minorities that tend to be more open to change yeah oh
2: really yeah yeah it's that's definite. interesting because i always think um the thing that i think i said this last week the thing yeah. that i'm jealous about white communities is that they're usually more accepting of differences yeah like lgbt communities yeah, that's what I found and as well.
3: um what that's what i found as well yeah yeah, yeah
2: so it's like because i can't imagine like like say for example if you're gay and chinese your parents will have questions, they'll probably yeah. not accept it. Yeah. But if your parents are white, they'll I feel like they'll more likely be like, fine.
1: But do you know what I think? So that's a really that's a really good observation. So my my take on that will be this. When it comes to ethnic minority groups, they're they're quite principled. Why? Because we are quite attached to our cultures, ancestral, yeah. religions, food, music, cons, philosophy, whatever. So there's a need to hold on to it. Why? Because culturally we've seen how when a stronger body of people come they can water it down. They've seen yeah, the impact. Yeah. So they're very protective. Within the white community, part of the reason why they're quite accepting in that level, I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, because it doesn't necessarily eff- affect their perceived identity. Mm-hmm. And two, a lot of their identity is kind of built off of um, an institution as opposed to ancestral so mm-hmm. this is going back a little bit more now. The white the word white was an actual was made up. It was a construct. Why? Because before that you were Spanish, you were Portuguese, you were Italian, you mm-hmm. were whatever. The word white was brought into legal terms because um they realized that a lot of the poor whites were colluding with a lot of the black slaves mm-hmm. and were starting to realize oh, that how so they needed to to create something right. So now the... what you tend yeah. to find so they is they
2: needed to like create that they were better than Absolutely, okay. it's a
1: social construct. So, what you tend to find is part of the dilemma that a lot of whites—let's just talk about white English—have. examples, when you say "what is your culture," it's very hard to 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 identify what that defines as, because really, it's just it's just modern day living, whatever modern day mm-hmm. living is. That's often oh, which what... is
0: why, like immigrant parents and like our parents would be like white people. They don't have a culture, yeah, you know? yeah. But like, but there's truth don't in it. They need one then,
1: there's, and there's truth in yeah. it. So, what happens is, is um. In terms of embracing those sorts of things, it's actually quite easy because it's just part of the modern day living. Mm-hmm. However, I would also argue that well, depending on what type of maybe what class you're from, like for example, in a working class white, I can I will probably say they don't adapt very well to change. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they haven't they haven't needed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, the the biggest change that happened to them was when a lot of the industrial kind of revolution when that whole thing shut down. Yeah. They never recovered from that. Yeah. So now, unfortunately, they are in terms of say the education attainment levels, they're at the bottom with with Caribbean boys mm-hmm. um, because they haven't really adapted to the fact that we're moving into a much more digital era where it's much more academic mm-hmm. and the more often, traditional. Sorry,
2: So more traditional. You say? Well, often a lot of, they stay in the traditions.
1: I think it's routine. I oh, think yeah? it's tradition. Mm-hmm. I think it's just about the lack of change. ethnic minorities when they came to places like England, America had to change. Otherwise, they didn't, su- they didn't survive. Mm. English has not really been put to the test like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So mm. they don't really understand change in that way. The people at the top, the rulers, understand change because they understand business, they understand making money, so they do whatever they need to do to make that money. Mm. But working class, <laughs> what I'm going to say is controversial, but there's almost an element of entitlement because mm-hmm. they haven't understood the game, I think.
2: Oh, controversial, Alex. We're going to get emailed and tweets in. But That's really interesting. But
1: it pushes buttons. I mean, yeah. I've, I, I'm saying this because I've been in discussions where it's got heated and not necessarily for me, but it's almost like you're hitting a truth that means you have to look at yourself because mm-hmm. often the arguments are immigrants is what's made England what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. reality is it's just that what it is, they're struggling to do. They've struggled to embrace the change. They've never needed to be competitive until immigrants have come over here with a competitive mindset. Because obviously where they come from, it's make or break. Mm-hmm. And English had a routine. They were the breadwinners for the for the for the country. You know, all the factories were working class whites. Mm-hmm. Now all these immigrants that are prepared to work harder for less are here. Yeah. They haven't they don't know how to adapt. So yeah. they're angry.
0: But that's so interesting. I was yeah. not prepared to be schooled today, but yeah. <laughs> like I love hearing this stuff. I know because it makes a yeah. lot of sense once you start connecting the dots in your head and, yeah. and looking back to what you see around you. Because it, like, I'm sure everything that that you've learned from your experiences is still very valuable and valid now.
4: 100%. From what
0: we see in our generation, yeah. looking around, mm-hmm. so it's just. I could ask you so many questions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what, I mean, again, I love people. I love understanding people and it's helped me to understand myself. And I think the biggest key is about understanding myself is, I mean, I suffered with depression when I was in my late teens, Mm -hmm. that went on for about four years. And then I had up and down journeys in my twenties. I think about 2016, I hit a significant dip, much shorter, but of of depression. And the key is, is once you're prepared to really go deep in yourself and be honest with yourself, Mm -hmm. then the answers start to make sense. Mm -hmm. So I think with that sense of self-honesty, you can begin to talk about things comfortably. So I'm happy to talk about, say, the white working class community, because it's coming from a place of honesty. If you just say, if you if you're honest with yourself, you Mm -hmm. can see it. Mm -hmm. And so and and what I don't understand, I'm equally as happy to say, you know what? I actually don't know. Mm-hmm. explain it to me yeah. so I think that's really the key for me I've understood I'm understanding myself or I'm recognizing that there's parts of me that I still dealing with there's still parts of me that I'm like god I didn't know that was part of who I am oh god I'm a bit more judgmental than I thought I mm. do you know but I'm I'm willing to be honest and acknowledge that and I think that's where it starts once you have that when you have that frankness everything else connects that's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it's very interesting. Yeah. 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 Gee, thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I I really just enjoy because actually learning about other people learn makes you understand yourself better. And even though like for example, black people we have a dark history. However, you start speaking to other cultures and realize actually they have some similar issues mm-hmm. as well, you know. Yeah. And so then it changes your level of anger, your mm-hmm. frustration. I think this. I think more people should be doing exactly the same thing and talking to each other because the healing doesn't come from telling people what you demand in order to put it right. The healing comes from understanding things differently. Yeah, you know. And when mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're learning about someone else, the focus is not on you, and then all of a sudden it's just yeah, yeah. I th- I just think I just think we can become very self indulgent, you know, in yeah. ourselves, and, and I think we just need to really we're all members of each other yeah. but life you know. does
0: push you in that way especially nowadays it's getting more competitive and more competitive and, and we have things like social media where we can be competitive 24 hours mm-hmm. a day um and it's easy to be wrapped up in because i find it in myself to in like i want to try and make myself better just me um and focus on what i'm doing but um when i find myself stopping and and hearing someone else and doing something for someone else it it actually does way more than me just trying to do something for myself
1: and what does that say you know all this education that we have out there but yet we still don't know who we are Mm -hmm. we still don't and that's the bit that blows my head off I mean like I said when I hit that little bit of a dip that I had in 2016 what triggered me to start going on a journey I thought right, I need to do some serious work I've got a friend of mine. She's a life coach. And she said to me, Alex, when was the last time you was inspired? I remember it was at the dinner table. It was me, her and her son. And she goes, when's the last time you've been inspired? And I remember I sat there and I was like, hmm. And just as I was doing that, the, I mean, mm-hmm. in my head, the back of my head, I was like, something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. Something is wrong here. you had here. to think about it. That's right. Yeah. And I said, no, this is, this is the problem. Yeah. So we can get so caught up in. Everything else. And so even when I mean, we were saying, when I met you briefly in Waterloo, and I was saying to Connor, when I quit dance, not quit dance, but when I stepped back from the dance scene, I realised the very thing that I entered into because I was passionate about it, it became the very thing that was actually causing me to be resentful. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on here? Yeah. yeah, I'm getting more knowledgeable, but I'm also getting more negative. So there's yeah. obviously something I'm missing out, you know, and it's so easy to just get lost in this wave of, what people tell you this is what you, this is how you need to do something and you could be moving away further and further from your personal truth because you think that's what it is mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: and we don't do that enough we don't do it enough mm. yeah, it's crazy thanks man
2: yeah <laughs> no. I was just listening intently. yeah <laughs> <That> me <mean>, too, <laughs> too yeah, I kind of went very...
0: into like a mode of like I gotta think about something yeah.
2: <laughs> I've always because yeah. I've always like grown. I've always seen you as like a teaching type figure right so I will just always like, listen. So now there's an excuse for me to actually like pick your mind, yeah. and record you, yeah. To n- n- all these like little lessons. There's yeah. so many little lessons in this. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. know,
0: jem's yeah. right. The yeah. way that you speak makes people want. It's to very inspirational. For right. I can't right. pick out yeah. what when's, it is that you have. What's like, your TED talk, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: You know what I'm About the talk. You know what? It will come when it will come. It will come when it will come. That's what I would say. I feel like um. I'm definitely moving into a space now where I'm just saying my piece. Mm-hmm. You know. because yeah. I it's because it's funny even that like, when you said that what you said there, but even during that time I often felt like I was going through a place where I was often quite overlooked in a scene, mm. even though I was high profile. Why? Because I never always pushed myself out there in a way.
2: I think you were because you weren't like aggressive, you yeah. know? Like yeah, you know, right. a lot of battlers, a lot yeah. of dancers, like oh like I'm just gonna win you know like yeah. no one can take me down like I'm yeah. just gonna go but you were always known as like the just, just like the chill and yeah. like the guy who's like get your cool yeah mechanical yeah. mechanical exactly yeah. exactly, exactly. It back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. but it took a while for me to understand that because the thing is
1: it's almost like I I guess although it was a frustrating time for me but what it allowed me to do is look and see what was going on mm-hmm. it look mm. and really look at the relationships that were being formed I mean even like obviously when Fred kind of came on the scene and then seeing how some of the breakups in the relationships that you had with certain high profile mm, people yeah. then i was like god so what does this mean how could somebody just be like this and then suddenly just go like that mm-hmm. so in a way it gave me a chance to look i'm a bit of a looker and i've always been that way my mom used to get annoyed me when i was younger. When, I, when i remember when i was about two three years old walking the streets watching and my mom would say would you look where you're going but <laughs> i've always been that way inclined i I'd watch I'd, I'd look around and i'm in my head i'm like thinking okay mm. okay
2: But yeah. yeah there's no time for a report today because alex is just dropping too much knowledge for <laughs> yeah. us to cut
1: out. i checked too much yeah. to no, my-
2: no, no no you're dropping too much knowledge for us to cut out today so so we're going to skip the report um but
0: <laughs> in a way this this whole, this whole, thing, thing, this whole thing, thing, thing is you yeah. coming and, and teaching us <laughs> yeah. and schooling yeah. us oh wow things. okay well, um thank
2: but you. yeah i guess alex do you have anything to plug or I mean, to our tens of listeners. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> to our tens of listeners. Do you know what? Um, I don't. what well, plug. All I just want
1: to say is, do you know what? If there's anything I can leave, it's just listen to yourself, whatever that look, looks like, whatever that means. Like I think, um, yeah, it's we don't do it. We think we're doing it. It's not. And mm. who saying who am I is not necessarily what do you do for a job? Who am I is. What are you as a person? What motivates you? And what motivates you is beyond a profession. It's what motivates you. Do you like bringing people together? Are you inquisitive? Are you are you the type of person that thinks, analyzes? Are you the type of person? Those sorts of things. That's mm-hmm. where I think that's the language we need to start getting back to about mm-hmm. ourselves. Because I think that was part of not knowing. This is part of why I hit that crash back in two thousand and sixteen. I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. I did so many things, but I actually didn't know who I was, and I was unhappy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's nice. That's my little ten pence. Do you I want, love it. Do you, do you want anyone to follow you anywhere? Oh yeah, same. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can follow <laughs> me. <laughs> you can follow me on Alex underscore Mechanical, which is spelled M E C H A N I K O O L on Instagram. Uh, you can hit me up on there. <laughs>
0: Amazing.
3: Cool. cool. And Gem, where can they find us? Ah, um, <laughs> on Instagram at Rice's Rice Pod on twitter at rice is rice underscore pod and on youtube rice is rice and then every wednesday is on spotify and apple Podcasts but also we are on, we are a lot we are of on like Google of podcasts other? all, other all other of the website? podcast platforms
1: yeah. just search
3: us up i, I need
1: to Listen follow you do i follow you i don't think i even follow you i'm going to follow you <laughs> no. oh,
3: yeah. thanks alex thank cool. you cool. cool see
1: you guys Aww. next
3: week Bye. thank you very much Bye-bye. Bye-bye. thanks for having me and remember to
2: Oh, yeah. Get some rice right in your life, guys. Get some rice right in your life. i right right got some at home.